got We're going to uh, study this morning um, about worship, about a part of worship. Um, let me get all synced in. About an aspect of worship that we do, um, the last time I had the sermon, I we talked about preaching, and this morning we're going to talk about singing, I hope, yes, in Psalm 147 verse 1 it says, praise the Lord, for it is, is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and praise is beautiful, just a general statement right there. That uh, the idea is that's what we're supposed to do is praise the Lord. And uh, what we want to look at this morning, uh, particularly looking at the meanings of a couple of verses. And the first is Colossians 3 verse 16, where it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making uh with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I'm sorry, I was stepping all over a chord here. I'm sorry. Um, and then the other verse we want to look at is Ephesians 5:19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Um, there. Well, let's just get into the verse. I'll talk about some things here shortly. In the first verse, Colossians 3:16, we just want to look at these words. Uh, and figure out some things. The first things we want to look at is that we are to let Christ dwell in our hearts richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing. Admonishing, that again, that's another word in my everyday conversation I do not use. I don't say I admonish you. I'll say warn, you know, or, or that's the purpose of it. But I just don't use that word. But we're to teach, and we understand that, but, and also to warn um, in the singing that we do. And what are we to sing? We're to sing psalms, and we're going to go into the definitions a little more. Song of praise, a set piece of music, plucking, twanging on a stringed instrument. And hymns, a song with religious content, a song of praise addressed to Christ or God. Spiritual songs, not songs of a worldly nature or secular nature, but again, songs that are uh, related to uh, praising God. And we're going to look at singing, a primary verb to sing, sing, and I've got some other stuff on that shortly. With grace in your hearts, um, with an attitude of gratitude or thanks for all that God has done for us. And again, it's, it's to the Lord. Uh, and then when you look at Ephesians 5, verse 19, we're to speak to one another, speaking to others through song for edifying and uplifting, and also consider Colossians 3, verse 16, that we just looked at. 
but we're to speak to one another. We are, uh, we're to uh, admonish one another, to teach one another in the, way, in, in the words that we sing. Uh, not necessarily the tune, but the ideas that we sing, those words. To edify and uplift while we sing. To re, while we're singing, we're praising God and doing these other things. We're to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's what we're to sing. We already talked about that. We're singing uh, to sing in a melodic pattern, to sing in praise to God. And making melody in your heart. That's from the, a single word. Uh, that word is solo. I guess that's how you would pronounce it. And in classical Greek, it suggests plucking or striking the chords of a musical instrument. The only problem that, with that is the New Testament was written in Koine Greek. So, I want you to look uh, for just a minute at what the... Um, writers uh, that write the definitions of words say about that word uh, making melody or the melody. And so I just copied and pasted from Joseph Thayer, his Greek English lexicon of the New Testament. And there's a whole bunch of stuff up there that, that I just can't read. But it says to rub, to wipe, to handle, to touch, to pluck off, to pull out the hair, uh, to cause to vibrate by touching, to twang, to strike or touch the chord, to twang the strings of a musical instrument so that they gently vibrate, Aristotle mentioned there, and uh, to play on a stringed instrument, to play the harp, Aristotle, Plutarch, and I don't even know the other guy, what that abbreviation is for, uh, but it is distinguished from the music of the harp. Um, in the New Testament here, in the New Testament, to sing a hymn to celebrate the praises of God in song, it means to sing. All that other stuff, as far as New Testament worship, is superfluous. It doesn't mean anything for us. But we are to sing. And so they have, he's given the definition in general of what this word means in the Bible. And he tells us what pertains to us today in the New Testament to sing a hymn. Um, let's also look at W. Vines. Vines Complete Expository Dictionary of Old and New Testament Words. For the word melody, the solo. To twitch, twang, then to play a stringed instrument with the fingers and hence in the Septuagint, to sing with the harp, to sing psalms, denotes in the New Testament to sing a hymn, sing praise. In Ephesians 5.19, making melody. For the preceding word, adu, that adu is the Greek word uh, for another singing, um, see sing. And elsewhere, it's rendered sing in Romans 15, 9, 1 Corinthians 14, 5, and James 3, 17, 5, 7, 13 in the uh, revised version. It says, let him sing praise. In the King James Version, it says, let them sing psalms. So 
again, he tells the definition and he tells how it's used in the New Testament, which is what we're concerned about. Also, in Ephesians 5.19, where you sing in your heart. So if, if there is an instrument that would be involved in it, it would be the heart. It would be the heart. And when you compare Psalm 98, verse 5, uh, sing to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of a psalm, you compare that to making melody in your heart. The Koine Greek would literally say, with the heart of you. So that's what we're to do. We're to sing with the heart. I want us to look at Psalm 150. Just to, I'll make a point in a minute. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. That everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I think, uh, I think it was David wrote that psalm. And we understand that in, the, in those days that they used instruments of music. Uh, obviously there it is. I had an uncle that used to preach. He's, he's deceased now. He was holding a gospel. Actually, it was across town over here, uh, just, just since I was thinking about it. Uh, and he asked a question. He said, show me in the New Testament where it says to play an instrument in songs, in worship to God. Come on in. Come on in. So he said, show me in the New Testament. And he asked in general. And he kept on talking. And then a man raised his hand in the audience. And uh, yes, he said, yes, sir. He said, I think I found it. He said, Psalm 150. And he read the psalm. And my uncle says, did you understand the question? The question was, show it to me in the New Testament where instruments of music were made, were used. And he said something to the, to the, uh, not right then, but you can look until doomsday, but you will not find it. It's not there. So when it says that, today people read that and automatically think that it's permissible, acceptable today to worship God with these instruments. We can sing the notes that the instrument makes. Um, the New Testament has some quotes from Scripture, from the Old Testament about music. Just a couple of them here. In uh, Romans fifteen nineteen, that the in that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy, as it is written. For this reason, I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. That's almost a quote from Psalm 18:49. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. So it's, it's almost a quote. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 12, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will sing praise to you. 
So he takes part of that verse from Psalm twenty-two, twenty-two. I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. I wonder why that there's no, use, no mention of an instrument in the ones they quoted for the New Testament. Just, just a thought. Why is it not there? I think I know the answer. I think you do too. All right. Jesus and his disciples praised God. We have an instance in Matthew 26, verse 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Jesus is betrayed in just a short time after this. And so when they left Bethany, they go to the Mount of Olives, and you know what happened there. But they sang a hymn. And the same thing is quoted basically in Mark 14, verse 26. Again, I don't see any instruments of of music being mentioned. Singing is mentioned, not playing, strumming, plucking, or twanging. And so telling how to praise God restricts some things. It's restrictive. In other words, telling how tells you not to do some things. So that's what we want to look at. And I'm about to go through some stuff. We haven't done this in seven years. And I think I'm the one that did it in seven years. I changed it up a lot, a lot. But uh, there's something we got to do. and We're going to start talking about something. You're going to think, what in the world does this have to do with music? But I think it's going to illustrate the point of how restrictive the Bible is on such things. And what I want us to do is look at what they did under the old law as far as the high priests and the priests. And that's going to tell us something because we're going to, we're going to tie it together, but you're going to think, oh, I am way out in left field when I start this. But just hang in there with me. All right, in Deuteronomy 10, verse 8, At that time the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to him, and to bless his name to this day. What does that have to do with music? Nothing doesn't have anything to do with music, but we're going to make a point. So the Lord separated. He actually chose the tribe of Levi to bear the Ark of the Covenant. In other words, anything in the tabernacle, in the tabernacle, they were going to take care of. And when it had to be moved, they were going to take it down, the tribe of Levi. All these different things, all the instruments, all the, the labors and the whatever. It was going to be taken care of by the tribe of Levi. And they were going to stand before the Lord to minister to him. In other words, they're going to offer the sacrifices. Um, and they bless his name to this day. Now, many years later, 600 years later, from being in the wilderness and receiving the law of Moses on Mount Sinai over to where Solomon has died and his son Rehoboam is on the throne of Israel. And he takes counsel to, the, the, the tribes come to him and say, are, are, make it a little easier than your father Solomon did. And, and he doesn't listen to the counsel of the, the old guys. He listens to the new guys in their counsel. And 
So, Rehoboam, I got the wrong name up here. It's supposed to be Jeroboam after splitting ten tribes from Judah in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 25 through 33. I'm not going to, I'm not going to read all that. But the idea is that this is supposed to be Jeroboam, uh, king of Israel, uh, the ten tribes. Rehoboam was Solomon's son. In 1 Kings chapter 12, verses 25 through 33, Rehoboam, uh, Jeroboam is afraid that these ten tribes, when it came time to do the feasts, that they were supposed to go to Jerusalem and make sacrifice and, and uh, celebrate the feast. He was afraid that they would decide that, okay, we're going to go back and we're going we're gonna to kill Jeroboam and we'll follow Rehoboam and, and do it like it used to be done. And so he said, I'm going to do things a little different here. And just to make this a little quicker, he made two golden calves. He placed one in Dan at the north, in, in uh, Bethel in the south, which is north of Jerusalem still, but in the north and south of the kingdom of Israel. And uh, he ordained a feast on the 15th day of the month, which he had devised in his own heart, by the way. The, one of the, a feast was, was set for the 15th day of the seventh month under the law of Moses. So he just decided we'll do things similar to it in a different month. And he had the two golden calves at Dan and Bethel. So he is criticized for that. The Lord is displeased. Also, the Lord is displeased in verse 31. And I quote, he made shrines on the high places and he made priests from every class of people who were not of the sons of Israel. The Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to him and to bless his name to this day. Jeroboam says, I'm going to make priests from just anybody. Anybody qualifies. If you can breathe, apparently, in a man, you're, you're a priest. You can be a priest. And so that's what he did. And God is displeased with that as well. We're going to get there. We're making a point. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 14, the New Testament writer says, For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning the priesthood. Who did Moses say was, God say was going to be the, the, the priesthood? Levi. Jesus came from Judah, of which Moses spoke nothing about the priesthood. Well, what does that have to do with anything? Jesus is a high priest, our high priest. It was not necessary to state that Simeon, Benjamin, Issachar, Naphtali, Reuben, Gad, Judah, Zebulun, Ephraim, Manasseh, Dan, Asher, they were not to be the high priest. He didn't have to say that. What he did say is, Levi, I have separated to be the, high, the priest, and the high priest would come from that group. So it was understood by Israel, before it was split, that, the, that Levi was the tribe from which the priest came including the high priest. Stating that Levi was the priesthood tribe eliminated all the other tribes. You follow me? 
you get where I'm going? Levi is the tribe. These other tribes, they're not priests. Judah is the tribe Jesus is from. Hmm. But Jesus is our high priest. Again, in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 14, it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning the priesthood. Hebrews 8, chapter 4 says, For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law. He's talking about Jesus being our high priest. If he were on earth, he couldn't be the high priest. Why? Because he's not from Levi. He's from Judah. In Hebrews 8, verses 1 and 2. Now this is the main point of the things we're saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary, of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. We have a high priest, but he's in heaven. He's in, he's in the heavens, and he's ministering into the sanctuary, the true tabernacle that the Lord erected. That's where Jesus is. So he is our priest. He could not be a priest on earth because he wasn't from the right tribe. Now, why did I say all that? When scripture states singing, sing, sung, every other kind of praise is eliminated. Just like Levi is the tribe for the high priest, Jesus is from Judah. He can't be the high priest on earth. He is our high priest in heaven. And the Jews in Jerusalem and wherever they were scattered in those days understood that the Levites were the priests, that tribe. And so we understand that when Jesus says they sang, or when the scriptures say they sing or they sang a song or it talks about singing, that everything else is eliminated. No horns, tambourines, guitars, banjos, drums, violins, flutes, harps, piano, or any other instrument. We don't have to say that they're not allowed because we're told what to do and that's sing. That's all it says. So we're to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody melody in your heart to the Lord. That's all we're supposed to do. In Hebrews 13, verse 15, Therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So... We're to sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. We're to give the, uh, the continual offer of sacrifice, uh, of the sacrifice of praise to God. Now, that's not necessarily only talking about singing. It could be that the words we use every day would bring glory and praise to him, mentioning him to someone else, something like that. But also includes singing, the fruit of our lips, This is how we praise God, not playing. 
in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15, what's the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit. I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. I understand this chapter in 1 Corinthians 15 is talking about spiritual gifts, uh, prophecy and tongues. And so their conclusion was about the tongues and all that. I'll pray and sing with the understanding. With the Spirit. Hmm. Doesn't mention play. I will sing with the Spirit. I will also sing with the understanding, the intellectual perception. That when we sing songs that we've been singing, and we, in which we, Lord willing, will sing in a few minutes, that we are to be listening to the words, getting the message being engaged in mind during the worship while we're singing. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I hear other people sing. Maybe other people hear me sing. We're to be engaged. Our mind is working singing those songs. Singing the words of the song and getting the meaning Teaching and admonishing one another. That's what we're supposed to do. And that's all we're allowed to do. To be pleasing to God. That was short. Not quite through, but it won't take me but in a minute or two more. But I hope you understand what we're, what, what the, this, this roundabout way I went through that in the middle of it about about Levi and stuff, the purpose was to show you that Levi was the priest, no other tribe could be priests. Singing is the way we offer worship, praise to God, and there's no other way. Now, why are we here? Well, we were here to talk about singing. Um, But there is a real reason we're here. And let's read, and it says, Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. We understand that Jesus has just died right before this verse. And the veil of the temple was torn in two, from top to bottom in this earthquake, rocks were split, graves were opened of the saints. And, you know, if whoever was at outside the city where Jesus was crucified, they wouldn't have known the veil of the temple was torn in two. I mean, they just, there's no way they could have known that. And since Jesus had died and after his resurrection, the graves were opened and the saints went into Jerusalem, well, that hadn't happened, but it was going to happen. But what we do know that they saw, if they were at the gravesite at the uh, cross, well, they saw darkness in the middle of the day, and for at least three hours it was dark. And then Jesus says, "It's finished," and he breathes his last. And all that and the graves were open, the earth quaked, the rocks were split. You see evidence of that. Wow, what is this? It's darkness and daylight. 
And we have an earthquake going on, and this man just died. As a result of that, the centurion said, So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. When you see it's dark in the middle of the day, and he dies and there's an earthquake, rock split, things happen that just don't normally happen. And this centurion, who is a pagan, he worships an idol. His king god would have been Zeus. He's a Roman soldier. He says, truly, this is the son of God. This is what makes being here. This is what it's all about. And we praise God because of this. That Jesus died to save us from our sins. That's what we're really here for. And so we want to do things in worship that please him in every way. If you need to come and uh, be baptized, have your sins washed away, that there, there be no more sin in your life, all those things are, as Scripture says, sins are removed my sins as far as the east is from the west. That's amazing. Acts 22 says the sins will be washed away. If you need to do that, this is the time to do it. Or if you have done that in the past, but you have strayed and you need the prayers of, of the saints, why don't you come while we stand and while we sing? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the 